0: You know, basically you start work and you know you're bombarded with toxicity from every direction or you're in an abusive relationship under your own roof. Like those are sort of obvious. I got to do something to mitigate this toxic stress, right? But there's a lot of toxic stress in our world that we cannot see.
1: Hi, this is Diane Gilman, formerly known as the Queen of Jeans, but now the host of my podcast, Too Young to Be Old. And today we have a fascinating guest, and I would like to say that the topic, which is toxic stressors in your life, I lived it, ladies. Women live it differently than men. Dr. Gayla Gorman is going to explain that to us. But I do want to say, before we even begin, that I believe toxic stress in my life actually caused my breast cancer. Um, Bold statement, but I think 99.99% truth. So, Dr. Gayla Gorman, you are a believer in the fact that men balance stress very differently from women. So the first thing is I would love you to explain how that happens, why that happens, what you mean by that. Then we'll get into what toxic stress is.
0: Great. Sounds good, Diane. Thanks for having me today. So, um men we were talking about this before we got started today. Uh men generally, of course, you know this is a generalization ladies, so uh, don't take it a hundred percent at um at what I say. but generally, men compartmentalize things more uh, better than women do so um so for example, we've all been there. We're probably there today. (laughs) We're juggling a lot of different things. We kind of pride ourselves on how many plates we've got spinning, how many balls we've got in the air at any one given time. And men pride themselves on, you know, putting their blinders on, focusing on a single thing to the exclusion of all else. And, And when they you know, get that kind of where they've got a stopping point, then they'll take a breath and then move on to another thing. Um And so one way or the other isn't necessarily better. Men certainly have issues related to uh-huh. their stress as well, but for women and the kinds of things that we're dealing with typically autoimmune related issues, digestion related issues, you know, those sorts of things are really dependent on our nervous system. And when we're constantly stressed, our nervous system basically has all that shut down. And that's the reason why our digestion is slow and why we have a lot of other issues that then are sort of a cascade downstream problem like um having difficulty sleeping and that sort of thing
1: now i i really take pride in being a multitasker and getting all this stuff done during the day uh, me too a kid there all the time i like speediness but i also am somebody who i don't want to say i enjoy stress but i enjoy pressure as a matter of fact i perform better under pressure, but toxic stress or toxic pressure is a whole different thing. Can you explain that to the audience?
0: Yeah. So one of the examples that I use is um, something that a lot of people can relate to, and that is planning a wedding. Okay. So when you launch into planning a wedding, you're typically thrilled. You kind of know it's going to be stressful. There's a lot of things that have to be addressed, but you're excited about it. It's um, You're moving into something new, whether that's a, your own wedding or whether that's a wedding for a family member that you really care about. And so the wedding planning is clipping along everything's coming together until you start dealing with the bridesmaids and groomsmen <laughs> or the family members that don't get along or maybe you're trying to limit the guest list and or the caterer. Like, yeah where um, do you stop yeah. what kind of what kind of food are you going to serve are you and what kind of cake are you going to have are you going to completely ignore everybody's opinions and desires, but your own, or are Uh you going to start trying to take everybody's input and try to come up with something that makes everybody happy? And so what tends to happen then is by the time the wedding comes around, you're hoping that all you can do is just get through the day and head on out to the honeymoon. And that's after spending God knows how many thousands of dollars going through this ceremony that then didn't uh, didn't end up being a really satisfying joyful um positive memory potentially for you. So is that so, toxic stress? Yes, yeah, so that's an example okay. of how something that would not normally be toxic turns toxic, right? And basically um in certain situations, we don't have control over. It. We were talking about this a little bit um, before. Business we situation, started. yeah, yeah. So if you if you're in a marriage that is toxic and you feel like you're trapped for certain r- reasons, if you're in a work situation and you've got a job that is toxic and you feel like you're trapped, you know, those kinds of circumstances that have you. In a toxic situation, you're essentially being traumatized day in and day out. Yes. You've got to come up with strategies that will help you mitigate the damage because there is damage being done. You've got to mitigate the damage and then you've got to do whatever you can to try to move out of that situation as quickly as possible
1: yeah which i could not i had a contract
0: yeah. and i also but the had, but the but the contract had an end date right no, so you knew no the contract been. did not have an ending okay and so and neither does it neither does a marriage right and so you know it's like there's no natural end point in a marriage but, either but it,
1: it, yeah and i think the toxic stress whether it's marriage or it's career um, or it's making a fiscal move to another part of the world or the country and suddenly going, Oh my God, why did I do this? Shoot me. Um, I felt, and I was dealing with people. I, I put people into two categories, those that can convert very negative energy into positive energy for themselves to motivate themselves to create more negative energy or the recipient stuff. So I was a recipient of, and these people enjoyed giving you toxic stress. They went out of their way to give it to you. There was something enjoyable about it to them. There was something in their nature that made it natural. Like okay, who doesn't like this? What? Something must be wrong with you. And I felt for some of the emails I was sent and letters I was sent, I felt like I was drinking Drano. People say today that physically, I look like a completely different human being. Very hard for me to see, but they said that my face and my body, my whole, I was always like, at the very edge. So I could not find any way to deal with that. And I believe that toxicity kept pouring into me and I got breast cancer. And the only reason I really um, isolate that in my life is at 78 years old, which I am, the only time I have ever been in a hospital in my entire life was during that business period um, having cancer. And I, I just I think if we can describe toxic stress and emphasize to the women listening how it's different from everyday stress, how how do you think it feels for me? It manifested itself physically in disease, it manifested itself in depression of feeling trapped. I felt trapped like I was never going to get out, and so, um, I'm totally happy person today, making much less money, but free so how would you how would you tell someone who's in a toxic relationship a very unhappy marriage um an unhappy business partnership where you feel you've got a contract marriage contract whatever but there's no way out what do you say to those people dr gala
0: so um I am not often the person who uh, speaks fluff to someone. I tell yeah. them like it is right. Yeah. And so your health is really all you have. <laughs> and yeah, so, it's everything. yeah, it's everything. And, um, and, you know, there's a reason why, you know, the saying goes, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything because right. that's true. And, um, and so I would say that if you are dealing with a situation that is just constantly toxic, or, you know, like you described, feeling like you're drinking Drano, right? You can describe yeah. that kind of like in hindsight, probably. You might have used different words as you were going through it, but, you know, it obviously. Every time you opened your email, you had that dread of, Yes, is there going to be another one of those messages? So, even if the message wasn't there today or this time, the trauma response was happening. Okay. So, that is PTSD, any way you slice it. Oh. And so, and so you, you need to get help managing that and help with the decision-making process and the sifting and sorting process that you would need to go through in order to make a decision that is going to be life-affirming for you.
1: Now, for me, I had breast cancer. So first of all, I had not, I was supposed to take the year off. I took eight and a half months, nine months off, but there's something about having a mortality driven disease that makes you look at life differently Mm -hmm. on the other end, if you're lucky enough like me to come through it. And what I came to the conclusion of was time was my most precious commodity. Mm -hmm. Did I want to spend the moments I had left, the years I had left in this state of, uh, it was almost like self-hatred, like Mm -hmm. uh, it was awful. Um, did I want to spend it like that for the money or did I want to rid myself of all of that negativity and what would it be on the other side? I had no idea, but I came to the conclusion that my time was so precious that this was not the way to live the rest of my life. And I took steps. And the universe helped me. My karma helped me. Yeah. And I was able to reestablish myself as an independent person who made a vow. I would never, if I could help it, expose myself to that kind of toxicity ever again in my life. But I'm yeah, lucky. Now,
0: and now you're more aware. Like, you would not let it go on as long as it did the last time and probably be more careful um, in entering into a contract that would potentially trap you in a situation that you were unhappy. You know, there's a lot less toxic situations than what you went through or a marriage that's turned really toxic due to some form of abuse, physical, emotional, that sort of thing. Um, There's a lot like, there's a lower threshold, actually, than the extreme toxicity that you have described, Ooh. Diane. You know, there's, there's the, I'm just not happy and I haven't been happy for a long time. A lot of people are in jobs or relationships of other, some other sort that they just haven't been happy in for a really long time. And sometimes that's because you need a little help processing past trauma, reframing things, you know, learning to just find joy in simple pleasures in life, that sort of thing. But sometimes, you know, you really need help just... um increasing your courage and bravery to just step yeah. out there into the unknown in the hopes of finding something that is going to be more life affirming bringing more joy. So um you know I know you had to make some really significant changes and take a lot of risk in doing that, right? And now you said You've had to take a pay cut, but you're way happier and you're loving what you're doing now, right? So Way, way yeah. happier. And, and, and so, the real
1: the truth was, as an artist, as a commercial artist, fashion designer, um, for me, I was never really in it for the money. I was in it for the craft. I was in it for the satisfaction of doing a great job. I was in it for coming up with ideas that made women and finally my generation of women really feel better about themselves so my meaning kept expanding but the people i had aligned myself with for money quite frankly um they did not believe in my message they didn't believe in any kind of messages
0: like that it was fascinating isn't it because you said that you really had to get back to kind of your roots and say why am i even doing this right oh yeah and realizing that you weren't doing it for the money, although once the money started coming, then it was a little enticing. You don't want to walk away from it, right? So, um, so that's a that's a challenging thing. It happens in relationships as well, you know. Um, and it, it's a lot of times it's that the male is a, the larger wage earner, but that's not always the case. And in any way, shape, or form, if you divorce someone, whether it's a business partnership or, um, you know, personal relationship partnership, you know, splitting up those finances is challenging and, totally. um, and requires you to just sort of um accept that there's going to be a resetting period <laughs> and you're going to have to find your way through it and figure out you know what your new normal is if you will and so.
1: and, my, and it's so interesting because um because of my age coupled into the cancer and sort of a reawakening of my spiritual being and being in a total state of gratitude about having my life saved um it really contrasted to what my everyday experiences were again. And I had to give up very a very comfortable, very cushy lifestyle and being number one in fashion on tele-retail. And I had to say, what's more important, happiness, peace of mind, serenity, um, or whatever you're dealing with. And I didn't feel that what I was dealing with was necessary. I I didn't feel that that should be something where you tell yourself, Oh yeah. If you're going to have all of that, even though you earned it, it's going to eat into your life in a million different ways and eat into your happiness and become really corrosive. So, um, I did take that chance. I had no idea what was going to be on the other side. I just knew I was getting rid of something, very heavy baggage. And literally within five and a half weeks, somebody came to me and said, you want to do your own podcast? And I thought, uh, yeah, <laughs> I want to. And That sounds really to- fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I understood that I like to be my own boss. I understood I don't like a lot of corporate layers. Um, I understood I wanted to give a broader message. So sometimes by giving something up, even though you're used to it and you can get really used to being unhappy and tell yourself that that's the new happy, Mm -hmm. um, you will likely find on that other side that there's a whole world waiting for you. It's, Unbelievable. How much better I feel. So I want to ask you a question. You say we've got to manage the toxic stretchers threatening your superwoman status. What is superwoman?
0: So superwoman is the woman basically that is tasked to save the world. Right. And That's maybe insane. not even tasked to save the world. She raises her hand and says, I can do it. I can save it. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just count on me. I got this. I've already got a full plate with 87 other things I'm juggling. But the world needs to be saved. Count me in, you know. I'm I'm there for you. I'm and all so, in. I'm all yeah. in. And so um superwoman is Got it handled, you know, can totally handle it unless there's some kryptonite draining her energy. And so when you think about how the kryptonite plays out in this super um, human world, um, kryptonite's never just sitting out in the middle of the dining room table, right? The super woman or superman feels their energy draining And because it's happened before, they know it's kryptonite. And they know they better figure out where it is and distance themselves from it in order for their powers to be restored. Because they got no hope of saving the world if they do not distance themselves from the kryptonite. So the metaphor I thought worked really well for my book and just in helping women understand why this toxic stress situation is so difficult to to manage. Because a lot of times, you know, it's one thing if you walk in the door for work or, you know, open up your computer and work hits you in the face with emails and that sort of thing. But, you know, basically you start work. And you know you're bombarded with toxicity from every direction. Or you're in an abusive relationship under your own roof. Like those are sort of obvious. I got to do something to mitigate this toxic stress, right? But there's a lot of toxic stress in our world that we cannot see. We just feel that we're not right. Energy's being drained. Like you... The situation you went through developing cancer, yes, you are correct. And there have been studies done about depression and emotional, like severe emotional disturbance leading to developing cancer. So there, there have been studies done. So you are correct in your assumption. But I would say that there had to be other toxicity also contributing that it was that toxic stew that allowed you to develop breast cancer, and someone else doesn't develop breast
1: you cancer. You know, absolutely. And and one example of that was um, when my genes collection became successful in america i thought and you know it was based based really on a middle-aged body that had gone through a menopause and couldn't wear what they wanted to wear anymore i thought okay women all over the world have the same hormones so same I, job, right everybody I needs this. this i talked to everybody Jeans for the in, muffin in, top right <laughs> yeah i talked everybody into letting me go on air in europe and it became very successful all over Europe. The catch was, in tele-retail, you have to be there selling it. And I remember one nightmare scenario where I did 24 hours on air with about three hours of sleep in America. And then got on a plane, flew overnight to Milan, and went on air for another 24 hours and it was killing me it was and and hey that i mean i i bought it i knew it that was the situation i wanted it so i always thought beware of what you ask for because you may get it and truthfully find it almost impossible to maintain and I did it
0: because, um, flying, you get a heavy duty dose of radiation when you fly in an airplane. Whoa. And, um, and so the, that, the coupling being exhausted and stressed with not getting enough sleep and then the extra dose of radiation You know, you were getting double, triple, quadruple whammy, right? And it was interesting because I saw um, something recently where um, somebody had asked um, Gwyneth Paltrow how she deals with the effects of travel, you know, and particularly flying and the radiation from flying. And she said that... um, one of the first things she does when she gets to the other end is looks for an infrared sauna. And if she can't do that, or in addition to that, she takes a bath with baking soda and um, Himalayan salt and or Epsom salt. And that helps to pull those like toxins out of your body. I so, have no idea. Yeah. Wow. So there, there are things like that that we can do. For example, if you're living in a toxic environment or you've got a toxic job, when you get home, find a way to give yourself that, you know, 15, 30 minutes, an hour of de-stressing and mitigating some of that toxicity. And and, um, it will go a long way to helping you avoid having the toxins accumulate to the point where there's kind of like point of no return you know yeah
1: for me it was all of that travel no sleep no good food airport food ugh, and um never always being under pressure oh you've got to have a million dollar day oh you've got to have a five million dollar weekend and you're doing this on you almost on autopilot and you know I think that probably new moms or mothers with two or three or four children feel the same way you never get a chance to rest you never get a chance to regroup and I always tell this story when I first got cancer and the diagnosis was not great and I knew I was going to have to be in very heavy chemo for six to eight months I remember saying to my audience, I've got a new job, saving my life, so I'm going to step back. So number one, there's that stress. Nothing could be quite as stressful as getting a cancer diagnosis. But um, I thought to myself, oh, my God, this is what people do that don't work. They actually get to sit home. They get to watch your favorite soap opera. They get to watch, in my case, horror movies. I love it. So it was interesting. Even within the realm of cancer, I found a way, in in fact, to sort of enjoy it.
0: It was like,
1: yeah. In some ways, it it
0: was a break from all that toxicity. You had different toxicity and the chemotherapy pouring into your body. But at least you weren't drinking Drano anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah. And
1: and I had friends with me for every chemo treatment, and they made it so much better. And um, But I, I found a new way of life, and I thought, well, this in its own way is so strangely restful. That's how bad my toxic situation yeah. was. <laughs> That's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Getting cancer treatment was a rest. From what that's, I was going—that's pretty treat. bad, Diane. That's like, that's telling, like yeah.
0: that's way up there, okay, or way that's, down there. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's why when I when when we got together the first time to talk, I thought, oh my God, this is a woman who's going to totally speak my language because there's never been anybody who has absorbed as much. I would almost call it threatening stress. And, um, you know, luckily I made the right decision. So at 78, I think to myself, happy, happy. Okay. So as a final question, Dr. Gaila Gorman, what kind of advice would you give to women who are in that sort of toxic, stressful situation. And I think that one of the real, and sadly enough, but truthfully toxic relationships is what is happening now with the preponderance of gray divorce. And gray divorce cannot be much different from my attitude, which was yeah, the situation I'm in is barely livable, but do you really want to do this
0: with how, however much life you've got left? What would you say? Yeah, it's really interesting because um, I was going to point that out earlier that there is an a undeniable movement amongst older women now who said, I don't want to die next to this guy. (laughs) Um, I don't, I I want something, even if I've only got another 10 or so years to live, I want to enjoy it. And I'm not enjoying it with in a relationship with this person. And so I would encourage you if you're in that position to try a little marriage counseling, if you can get them to do that um, before you just completely throw in the towel. But the most important thing that i encourage people to do in my book is to become their own pcp and that's primary care person if you're not your own primary care person there nobody else is going to do that job you know like once you were um past your mom's um care when you were growing up, you were on your own as your primary care person. And a lot of times we just put ourselves way down that list of, Oh, totally. Yeah. For who, who gets taken care of. And so when you feel that, um, that you are not being cared for in a situation, you're going to have to be willing to, honestly piss people off and say, I'm taking some time for myself in whatever way that is. And, and a lot of times finding a counselor that can help to kind of coach you in how to do that in a way that is loving, you know, we want to feel like we're not pouring toxicity into other people as we're trying to reduce the toxicity uh, in our own lives right that's so important. and so so get some help figuring out how to do that um when you're changing how the dynamics of relationships um that can be unsettling for the people you're in relationship with and that's whether it's your home relationships your relationships with your kids um your relationships with your friends or your relationships at work you know any relationships in our world we've kind of established a ritual for this is how i am in relationship with you and if you find that you need to alter that to take better care of yourself just know that Um, that it'll be hard for the other person to adjust as well. And um, and sometimes if they just put their foot down and say, no, you can't change, they won't say it in those words. But if basically they say, no, you can't change, you're going to need some help to work through that and figure out how you're going to manage the change that is going to be required, whether they like it or not. And you know, for me,
1: the the, I, I think for me, the biggest secret um, and what I learned was I thought I had no identity or sense of self-worth if I wasn't designing clothing and going on air and selling it. I had done it for 30 years, like a really long marriage. And who was I going to be if I didn't have that? And who would care about me? And would I just sort of disappear from the face of the earth and and not have any purpose? Um, And, you know, let me say this to any woman who's just on the fence. Uh, It was a little scary for about four weeks. That was it. I started recognizing and discovering things in myself that were less specific than Just designing fashion. I started to realize I wanted to put a message out there. I started to realize I wanted to support my generation of women. I actually felt like I was squeezed out of a tube and expanding. And it has been such a joyous reawakening of my life. So for everybody and a rebirth,
0: a rebirth in your 70s. That's the totally way is, right? Yeah. Totally.
1: And starting a new business, starting a new career, starting a new purpose, being so excited about it every day. Um yeah, and just basically letting the light flow in and and totally cleansing you all the time of the darkness. Dr. Gayla Gorman, I thank you so much cuz honestly this is such an important topic. Thank you for being here today. Wow. Thanks I love again you
0: for having me, Diane.
1: Thank you so much for listening to two young to be old podcast. The
0: episode may be over, but the fun doesn't have to
1: stop here. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at the Diane Gilman or visit our website, the dot If you like the show, Leave us a rating or a review and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And until then, don't forget, age is just a number. Together, we'll prove that we are all too young to be old.